Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. I don't even know just where to 
Thank you for that. I hope God is overwhelming to you. I'm trying to contain myself, I'll be honest, <laughs> over that. Uh, I don't know what's going on with me the last few months. I've been a great crier, so, and tears have come to my eyes, and I don't know why. God must be doing a work on my heart. I hope He's doing a work on your heart. And it uh, doesn't mean it's always tears that that reveals, but sometimes that's the case. Don't worry, I'm fine. Everything's okay. We're, we're happy here. We're, we're thrilled to be here. You know, you jump to conclusions and you jump to the wrong conclusions oftentimes. So let me make that very clear. We're thrilled with our pastor. We're thrilled with this church. We're thrilled to be a part of this place. And I'm thrilled at what God is doing. And I thank God for how God continues to work in our hearts. And I pray that He'll continue to work in my heart. And I don't know, um, maybe I'm just becoming a crybaby. But <laughs> and some of you will, will add to that, I'm sure, after this message today. <laughs> And you'll tell me how, yes, you are. <laughs> and, and thanks for the reminder. So anyway, Psalm 73, would you find yourself there? Because we do find ourselves at times in our life where we have doubts. And if you say, I don't have doubts, there's, there's no way that I, that I even struggle with doubts. Well, let's just be honest. We all struggle with doubts. Have you ever doubted? You know, you can doubt God. You can doubt the things of God. You can doubt uh, His working in your life. You can doubt whether God is even real. And you can doubt a lot of th things in our, our life that come to our life. And then we find ourselves in doubt when we get in trouble. And when pain comes to your family, when pain comes to your life, when you're stuck in a situation, a circumstance where you have not the answer. But I want to remind you that we do have the answer. And it is God. In Psalm 73, Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly, notice what he says, God is good. And God is good. It should be overwhelming to us. God is good to Israel, even to such as of are a clean heart. Has your heart been cleaned by God? This morning, notice verse 13. What a change. What a change. Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel even to such as of our clean heart. And then notice what he says in verse 13. He says, Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. Let's pray. Lord God, I, I pray you'll help me. I pray you'll help us. I pray that you'll give direction to what uh, you would only want to have said. May not anything be done that is not pleasing to you. I thank you that you want to work in our life, and I pray you'll do a work in my life today. And as prepared for this message, you're continuing to do a work, and I pray that I'll see your hand in all of it. I pray that each one of us will realize what you're trying to do, and Lord, that some things that would be just what I believe to be practical today will be a help. And Lord, I pray that they will be taken in practice in our life, and that they will encourage the one that needs encouraged the most today. We ask you for it. I need you. And all of us do. In Jesus' name, amen.
Have you ever heard the statement, when in doubt, go without? Maybe you've heard that statement. You can thank Ben Franklin for that. He said, uh, when in doubt, don't. And now if you face doubts in your life, which we all do, um, that's going to be a hard thing to, to go with because um, if you go with somebody that has a desire to buy something that they want desperately and you tell them, well, when in doubt, go without, that's not the greatest um, advice to them probably at the time, depending on how badly they want it. And if you desire something very much, if you're wanting to be frugal, maybe that's good, a good statement, but most likely you have doubts about whether you should even get something or do something based upon the resource that you have. Now, if, you're, if you have a, a great bank account, I hope you do, but if you don't, um, then in the resource, you're kind of wondering, I don't know if I, I can get that, I don't know if I can afford it, I don't know if I, don't know if I, uh, I should even do that. And you know, you play this mind game, and this mind game, kind of like the pinball and the pinball machine, as you stand in front of the item that is the item that you didn't need two minutes ago, but now you got to have it, right? You ever been there? And maybe it's something that you're purchasing, maybe it's something that, that uh, you're desiring out of your life, or whatever the case might be, but um, you start to reason with yourself, and you, and you just kind of go, maybe you even do this, maybe you, you're faced with it, and you say, well, I'm going to get away from that because I know I don't need that, and I'm going to go to another direction, and then I'll come back to it. If it's still there, then I'm going to get it. Or maybe you don't make it that far. Maybe you stay right there and say, if I leave this thing, someone else is going to come around and get this thing, and i got to get this because this is a great thing to get right now, and if I leave it, man, that's the last chance I had on it. And maybe you had this mind game. You ever had this mind game? This is, I don't think I've been the only one to have this mind game being played in my mind. And so there's things like that, and it looks good, it smells good, it tastes good, it's the latest, it's the newest, it's the greatest, you know, and you've got to have it. But when in doubt, you probably should have gone without it because you get the item, whatever it might be, and you take it home, and, and two weeks later, there it sits. And four weeks later, there it sits. Well, it's shiny, it was new, it was the latest, it was, it was what, what was needed at the time, but you find that you, know, you didn't really need that item because it's still in the bag, it's still in the box, and it wasn't there and maybe maybe you collect and maybe you're a collector so I, that's a collector piece and that's why it's in the box still great but it's not getting much use and in psalm 73 this is where we find a psalm of asaph and and he, he finds himself really if i may welcome to psalm 73 because he's having these doubts and he's and he's doubting things and he's doubting that even he has the right resource all along and whether or not he needs what he's seeing everyone else has and what is taking place. And Asaph feels so strongly, the contrast is such a strong contrast between verse 1, which he wrote, and verse 13, which is also how he's feeling. And now he's feeling that, that it's almost as if it was all in vain. Even to this degree, he feels this way, right? And this is how he feels. He, he feels verse 14. It says, For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. To such degree that he says in verse 15, if I talk and if I say some things, I'm gonna, I, I want to say some things. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. Man, I want to get some things out because I, I'm having a, a problem in my mind. And my, this mind game is being played. And it might not be an item, but it might be something that comes into your life. And then the doubts come to your life. Because when, when the emergency comes to your life or when the situation comes to your life, then you find out that you have doubts about who your God really is. 
Where are you, God? What, what, what is going on, God? How come it's me? How come it's my, my situation now? And God, are you still there? And Asaph is kind of finding himself in that situation. And he's finding that he wants to say some things, but he, he holds himself back. It's almost like he cuts himself off. Now, be honest. You don't need to raise your hand on this, but don't you wish at times that, that, that some people just had a switch on their back and you just do off and on? And all of us, at times, we have to even cut our own switch off because we're having these thoughts, and these thoughts are going 100 miles a minute, and they're going everywhere, and they're going this direction and that direction, and we're just crisscrossing, and we're all over the place in our mind, and, and, and the captivity of our mind is not, it's not captive, and it's not there, and so it's got to be brought back in, the Bible says, and so this is what's happening, and Asaph's life, he says, when I thought to know this, verse 16, it was too painful for me. He's struggling. It's an ordeal. It's, it's, it's something that he's, he's dealing with personally, and he knows he's dealing with something and, and the things that are in his life, and he knows how he got there, and now he, he can't believe he's there and can't believe that it's in his mind, and, and he wishes that it wasn't happening, and so much so that in verse 2, notice what he says. Psalm 73, verse 2, it says, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. God, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to live right. And then it's as if everyone else has got some things great going on, but it doesn't seem like that for me. It doesn't feel like that. I have a lot of doubts. I have a lot of questions. I'm struggling. Have you been there? in your mind and the doubts that can come and and you start looking at all kinds of other directions and verse 7 he says this he says who I'm looking at and what I, what I see in verse 7 their eyes stand out with fatness back in that day the more wealth that you had the the more degree degrees that you had the more things that you had then then it was obvious even physically they have more than their heart could wish these people they have more than their heart could wish, and, and, and I'm not there. I, I feel like everyone else has got it going on for them, and everyone else has, has got a great life, and me in my misery and in my, in my doubting and in my struggles, I don't, I don't even know how I got here. But then he, he realizes, wait a second, the reason I got here is verse 3. For I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You know, it's always easier to see everyone else's sin, right? Than my own sin. They are undone rather than say, woe is me, I'm undone. Right? It's, it's a, a difference between Paul, and he, he was used of God greatly. And man, Paul was used of God greatly, but he says this. He says he was the chief of sinners. That's why Paul was used greatly. It's easier to say, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, than to say, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. See, the Bible says it this way, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. You know what Asaph is seeing? He's seeing the prosperity of the wicked, verse 3. He's seeing, verse 12, that they prosper in the world. You see those words, that prosper, prosperity. What he thinks he wants, and he believes that these people have it so great, and, and at this point he thinks he doesn't, and, and, and my is, and, wo, and oh, oh me, and, and, and woe is me, and, and, and I'm struggling. And 
By the way, Asaph, not a common guy you, you find in the Psalms. You would think more of David, right? But Asaph wrote 12 of the Psalms. And there, there's many Psalms 73 to 83 and in Psalms 50. And, and he's identified as a songwriter. Asaph, you would think with this kind of mindset and this kind of attitude that he's having, because any of us get it and we have, our mind can go crazy, right? And, and we can think about things that, that aren't even happening or imagine things that are, are not even going to take place. And, and our mind goes a lot of different places when we're plagued with pain and a struggle in our life. So this morning, Asaph is really finding himself in a situation that you might think he must not have anything going for him. This guy, we don't know him like David, but let's, let's, let's hear a little bit about Asaph. It's as if he doesn't have anything going, but he, he does have a lot. He has a lot going for him. Matter of fact, in 1 Chronicles 6, it talks about Asaph. I'll give you a short description. It says, And these are they whom David set over the service of song in the house of the Lord. After that, the ark had rest, and they ministered before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of the congregation with singing, until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, and Asaph, who stood on his right hand. A little bit about Asaph, he was personally selected from among 4,000 people as the main man to, to music. He was musically gifted, and he was a coveted leader of King David's choir. He's known as the chief musician. He led the temple choir. He was known as the chief singer. He played the cymbals, along with many other instruments. 1 Chronicles 25, it says, And all these were under the hands of their father for song in the house of the Lord, with cymbals, palstries, and harps, for the service of the house of God, according to the king's order, to Asaph. He's a songwriter. He wrote the psalms that we read, even this psalm here today, we read of Asaph. He's kind of telling on himself and where he's at. He played in the orchestra by the ark of the Lord. That's a big deal. So Asaph, you're known, in essence, you're known as a man who brings about joyful melody, brings about music. David, choosing you to be right there. He, if anyone is chosen out of the 4,000, I want Asaph as one of the chosen ones. And so Asaph, you've been around God's people. You brought happiness to many people of God. Matter of fact, you played and you sang right by the ark. That's a big deal. And now you hear him saying something very, very sad. He says, my heart is as if it's been cleansed, and my heart being cleansed is as if that took place, and it was as if it was in vain. It's as if God came into my life, and, and it's as if, why do I even have God? That's a, that's a low place to get. That's a, that's a very bottom of the barrel, if I may, place to get. And he says, what's the worth of it? What's the point? God, why, why do you have me on this earth? What, what's the point of it? Matter of fact, he says this. He says, I wash my hands in innocency. It's as if I, I'm trying to live right, and what's the point? I'm trying to do right when I, what, everything else I see out there seems to be going good for everyone else, and, and I don't feel that way. But he's forgetting Matthew 5 8, where it says, Beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. He's thinking of his present life and the misery of it. See, it's one thing to write words 
and mouth words and sing words, but it's a whole other thing to appropriate them into your emotional response to life's trials. That's quite another thing going on. It's totally different. You know, it's like Asaph's face is on the window and his breath is starting to fog up the window. Did you notice this morning as you maybe got up early, you drove in, there was fog everywhere and you couldn't see very well. Pulled into the, to the parking lot this morning, couldn't even see the field back there. The fog was, was thick. Have you ever been in that fog? In your doubts, in your mind, in your thoughts? This is Asaph. And he's, he's stuck, you know, he's the kid in the house doing the homework and all the rest of the kids are out on the playground playing. But I don't want to be out there. I want to be out there. He's stuck in the bedroom. He's looking out the window. And he's wishing that he could be outside. He could be in the world. He could have what they have. It, it seems like, you know, they're on the water today. They're at the events today. They're living up the weekend. Right? They're, they're walking the boardwalk today. The world is doing that, and not thinking anything of it. Not thinking twice about it. And so Asaph is seeing some of, some of this in, in his own day, in his own life, and they seem to be more happy. They seem to be more prosperous. They're, they're living it up, and they have it all. I mean, they are prospering. They, are, they get to, notice verse 12, it says, they get to increase in their riches. I mean, they get to keep what they're gaining, what they have, and they have the, not one Maserati, but two Maseratis in the parking lot. They, and sometimes they have the Maserati BMW, and then they have the, the, everything else that goes with it. And man, I give my money to the church. If I, how come I don't have a Maserati? Because your money is eternal. And it's the difference of what you're going to see on earth and what you're going to see in heaven one day. So you're either living for the eternal or temporal. One or the other. And Asaph is ready to throw on the towel. He wants to quit. To him, it's the better option. To him, Asaph is saying, it's, it's, it seems like it's getting better for the ungodly and, and the ones that are in the world, and they seem to have it going on for them, but I'm seeming to get worse. Have you been there? I think every Christian, if we're honest with each other, and every person, most likely even in our world, especially in our world today, at some point in their life, entertains the thought of just throwing up their hands and just saying, I'm done. Saying, I'm done. And quitting the righteous life. And, and one of the reasons is because what he's looking at and the pleasures, the pleasures they're there. I mean, they're strong and, and they're there. But the problem with the pleasures is the real deal of the pleasures is they're just very temporary and they, they, they disappear as quick as they come. And, and it's almost that fog that's on the window that Asaph is as if he's looking out the window at everyone else and even that vapor, well, it's just going to appear just for a little while. It's going to vanish away, just like our life. And you know what? We, we get just a snapshot of ASAP, but, he, but you know what he's not getting? He's not getting a long video. You know what he's not getting? He's getting a glimpse, but he's not getting a lifetime view. He's not seeing all of what their life brings. And when it hits him, it hits him hard. And we'll see that in a, in a moment here. But right now, he's, he's thinking it's all about them. Why them? Why them? They have it, and I don't. It's as if they have a smile and they're happy because of what they have. And me? Almost why me? Why them? And look at why them. Let's look at verses 4 and travel down through this dialogue that Asaph is having in his mind. The mind game. 
Verse 4, For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compassed them about as a chain. Violence covered them as a garment. They don't care. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more heart or more than their heart could wish. They are corrupt and they speak wickedly, wickedly concerning oppression. They speak lawfully. And they just speak it like it is. I mean, they just speak their mind and they just tell you what, what they think and, and their thoughts. They could care less what you think about it. Therefore, his people return thither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And notice what they do. And they talk this way and they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Why them? So much so that Asaph says, this is painful. Verse 16, it's painful for me. And by the way, Asaph, it's going to get worse if you don't deal with it. And by the way, dear, dear fellow believer, dear one this morning, if you don't deal with it, you don't deal with these doubts as you have, and the doubts come, and they're going to sneak in, and the devil has a way to just sneak them in the smallest crack of your mind, and the doubts that come in, if you don't deal with them, they're going to deal with you. You think it's not going to eat at you? And, and, and whatever you want, and, what, and the things that, that, and how you got there? Well, we gotta, we got to take this seriously, because number one this morning, I believe this, we need to take it as a revealer. This is what Asaph did. When in doubt, we don't need to go without. No, 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 no. We need to actually take it as a revealer of where my doubts are coming from. And so what we want reveals who we are. I'll give you an example this morning. You know what I, I enjoy? Right down the road here is um, an ice cream place, and I enjoy their ice cream. And that's what I want. I like the, but you know what? You're already thinking in your mind that he has a sweet tooth. And you're already thinking in his mind, man, I want some ice cream right now. And you're already thinking, man, I want to check. What, what place are you talking about down the road? What, what do we, what, where have you been? How many things have you had? What do you get there? What, it, what, is, what is it that you think is, is good? Oh, you're going to go taste it. You're going to go see and you're going to say, oh, no, that, that's not any good. Or, oh, no, that is really good. That's the best thing I ever put in my mouth. And you're not going to know until you go. And I can tell you that it's great. And then you go there and you get that, you know, that person that happened to take the last scoop of that ice cream. And it was the scoop that's been there for months. And it's hard, and you're waiting for it to melt, and it might not melt. You gotta taste and see it, right? You gotta you gotta you gotta know. And what he what he thinks he wants to eat, it's gonna eat him. And it's gonna have him. And if he questions God for too long, he's gonna now think that there's not even a God. And where are you, God? And if, if you're not careful, this is what Wearsby says. He says, don't get your theology from circumstances. If you do, you will come to the thought that God does not love you when in fact He does. But if you're concerned about the circumstances and you're looking for God in your circumstances, then, then you're going to struggle. And this is Asaph. He's smiling down the slide. And it's a very low place. It's that fog that he's in in his mind and his and his thoughts, and he's got to take it as a revealer. He's got to know that now he's doubting in the darkness what God had already shown him in the light, and, he, and, he, and he's doubting it. And so in verse 2 he says that he's stumbling around as if he doesn't even, he's, he's struggling to even step, and he's struggling to even get around, and he's struggling to even, even walk. And, 
And it's slippery, and it's a very slippery place. Yes, it is for you and me, for Asaph, not the only guy that struggles in this way. And so how did this all happen? He was envious at the foolish. Do you realize what the foolish are? Might not be what you think they are. Because the foolish is those who mock God. The foolish is those who dumb down the things of God. The foolish are those who have tried to make God's work less. And, you know, what, is, what he's okay with, he's not okay with. He's okay with it now. He wasn't okay with it then, but now he's okay with it. And so much so, he says, these people, they say in verse 11, how did God know? You know what foolish looks, looks like? Foolishness asks that question. How does God even know what I'm doing? The one who cares, the one, the one who I say loved me, the one who I say I loved, does, how does he even know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? You know what's worse with foolishness than this? We would say foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. You know what's worse is an adult. You know what's worse is a Christian. To be so foolish to think, how does God know? I don't even know that he knows. And, and, I, and then to take it to the next step and say, I don't even care that he knows. That's a very bad place to be. Very dangerous. Fools make a mock at sin. And it's always foolish to make a mock of God or sin. You know what it is? It's, it's more than just watch out, slippery floor, caution, beware. Now you're in danger zone. Now, if, if you know what I mean, you're, you're on the rocks that have the moss, and, and you, then the water is coming across that moss, and that rock is becoming very slippery, and, and, and I'm struggling to get, get it, stay on this, this rock, and it's become very much a, a, a bad thing for me. If I'm not careful, I'm going to fall, I'm going to do some damage to myself. And maybe to anyone else that I can take along with me. I've got to be careful because your doubts are a revealer, Asaph, of where you lost your trust in God. See, take your doubts as a revealer to place more trust in God. So when you are dealt with that situation, whatever it might be, that is then a time for me to say, man, I'm doubting and I'm struggling and, and I'm, I'm laying in this bed and, and I, I can't get out of this bed. And, and so it's hours upon hours upon hours and what do I do? I'm doubting whether I should even live. I'm doubting whether I should go forward. I'm doubting whether God's going to continue to use me or not because I've reached an age where I'm older. No, 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 no. You need to take those doubts as a revealer that there's more trust to be put in God. And He's worthy of putting your trust in. See, when you start to doubt, it reveals a lack of trust in that area. Going without doesn't work when you're in doubt of salvation. Going without doesn't work when you're doubting Jesus, because you should not go without Jesus. What does Satan do to tempt Eve? He said, yea, hath God said? Created doubt. Thomas, what did he struggle with? Doubts. The doubts. Peter, when did he face doubt? He was walking on the water. He was doing great. But then the, wind, the winds came. And then he took the eyes off God. And he started to look, look and see the situation and the circumstance around him. And what was going on. And as soon as that happened, what, what happened? He, he started to sink. Abraham and Sarah, they doubted God. Gideon doubted God. Elijah doubted God. And you and I are not in better company than them. Matter of fact, we're in the same company with them. Because there's times in all of our lives where we doubt God. And I just want to give you this morning this, take it as a revealer. 
Take it as a revealer that there can be more time put into trusting God. I like what a pastor says this, a Pastor Rogers, he says, feed your faith and starve your doubts. That's good. Feed your faith and starve your doubts. Remember Job? A man that struggled with doubts? Job in the midst of extreme suffering? You remember Job? He struggled to believe that God even existed and He was there? He says this in Job. He says, Behold, I go forward, but He's not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive Him. On the left hand, where He doth work, but I cannot behold Him. He hideth Himself on the right hand, that I cannot see Him. But then Job learned because, not as because of his circumstances, that they weren't good, but they weren't, but that God is always good. No matter what. Because he learned that because he doesn't feel like God is there, doesn't mean he's not there. He's, he's still there. And so we come to verse 10 of Job 23. He says this, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Can we do this this morning? When in doubt, can you take it as a revealer? To trust God. Trust him more. Because number two, I love this, God is not done. God is not done with you, with me, with anyone that wants to come to Him. And we've got to draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to us. And and Psalm 73 and verse 2, yes, it's His feet. Yes, it's His steps. But we're talking in verse 1 about His heart. And by the way, when your heart gets right, your feet fall in place. When your heart gets right, your steps go the right direction. And when your heart is right with God and you realize, wait, wait a second, it's, it's not a, a matter that, that verse 13, he's going to wake up to reality of it. He's saying, yes, as if I, in, in vain, it's, what's the point of it? But now it's going to change because the devil wants to get you wherever he can get you with it. And you know what the devil wants for Asaph? Just to think he's the only one that's ever dealt with this. He's the first person to ever come into this situation. He's never, no one else has any doubts. And he's the one that's the problem. And it's as if he's the one that, that is only the only person. And you know, it's, it's like that little guy that's playing baseball and the adult walks by and he says, oh, how's the game going? And he says, well, the little guy responds, well, it's 23 to 0. And the adult says, well, you're not doing too well. I don't, I don't think you're going to win this game. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. We haven't got up to bat yet. And my coach is very good. <laughs> and we need, we need to remind ourselves of that. Because our coach is very good. And we're not up to bat yet. See, Paul thought he was alone. He says, a great door is open to me and there are many adversaries. But then Paul says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, my son of the faith. Hey, listen, Timothy, guess, guess what? You need to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He says, Paul tells Timothy, you're going to need to expect infirmities. John the Baptist heard a great message on that from Pastor last week. And he's the first person that, that says with confidence, Behold, and prepares the way, prepare the way of the Lord. And he even says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. But you realize in Matthew 11, he says, Hey, John, send some disciples to question whether that is even really Jesus. Is he even the Messiah? When does he send the disciples? Why is he sending the disciples? Why is he not going there himself? Because he's in prison. He's in prison. And when he gets in prison, the man who says, prepare the way, make it pass straight, behold the Lamb of God, he's coming. He says, hey, go see if that even is the Lamb of God. 
You know why? Because he's faced with pain himself. He's faced with circumstance himself. He's faced with struggle himself. And he even wonders still if he is even God. Because if he's the same God who's healing everybody, who's taking care of everybody, why is he not getting me out of this prison? He's in a bad place. But he's in a worse place in his mind. John the Baptist had to take it as a revealer. John the Baptist had to realize God is not done. And see... John the Baptist had to come to a point where, no, Jesus is the real one still. He's, this, is my, this is just because I'm struggling and just because I'm in prison doesn't mean that, that God can't get me out of prison or, or that God's not going to use me in prison. You been there? Why is this happening to me? You been there? Why do I have cancer? You been there? Why do I have financial struggles? Why is my family messed up? Why, do I, why did I lose the loved one? Why is life uncertain? Why, 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 why? God, I have questions, I have doubts, I don't understand what you're doing. And See, this is what you'll do. You either return to Christ, or you'll reason away in your mind all the excuses and all the reasons of why I don't want to go back to God. You either go back to God, or you say, no, what good has He done me? I'm trying to live a righteous life, and look what I have to show for nothing. Better be careful. Very slippery ground you're on. Very dangerous. It's not just slippery floor. That's the sign. That's the caution out. No, no, no. You're, you're in a more dangerous place that you're going you're gonna to stumble around and you're going to fall and you're going to get hurt very badly because God is still in control. And God is not done. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. And our God is never done. God is not done just because you and I think He is. He's not done. Moses said, I'd rather suffer affliction with the people of God. Moses was willing to give up the prestige and, and recognition, and he said affliction is better with the people of God. What did Jesus say to Peter back when he was, was sinking? He said, oh, thou little faith. Why do you doubt now, in essence? Hebrews 11, 36, and 39, those verses talk about, and others go up against all kinds of... Let me, let me read it to you briefly here. And others had trial, cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And before those verses in Hebrews 11, it says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Rock, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and of David, and Samuel, and other prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. I mean, they wrought righteousness, they obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions, they quenched the violence of fire, they escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, they waxed valiant in fight, they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Woo! Wow! That's what I want. Like Gideon, like David, like Samson. The, the pillars, and others, and others, had trial of cruel mockings, scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment, stoned, sawn asunder. You think about that for a minute. Whew. I don't want to get into detail about that. But there was some rough treatment of Christians, put in trees, sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. Do well to read Fox's Book of Martyrs and rehearse over that. Because 
John Mark wanted to call it quits. Demas couldn't take it. We're told not to be weary in well-doing. David says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. See, all of us, if we're honest, in times of our life, we doubt. We question. We wonder, is God working in my life? How is He working? Is he, really, he, he must be done. God is not done. And He's never done until you, you see Him face to face and He's still not done because then you get to see Him face to face and you'll find out. I think you and I are going to find out real quickly what all we think we, that matters and we care about really doesn't matter then because we think oh, I'm going to take it to heaven with me and by the time you get to heaven, you're going to forget it. And it's not going to matter when you put your eyes on Jesus. And you know why God is not done? Because God is more concerned with you and I to be more Christ-like than He is with our comfort. That's why. And at some time or another, I believe we all can say, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. But we better also remind ourselves of Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. See, anything is good if it carries with it the potential to draw me closer to Christ. As bad as it might be, if it gets me closer to God, then that is worth it. And Asaph, he's not seeing very straight. In verse 5, they're not in trouble as other men. They don't, they're not plagued like other men. They're not, he's not able to view the whole context. He doesn't see the whole life. And when he starts to see their whole life and some things about their life, then notice what he says. It's a game changer. Game changer, verse 17. Until I went, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. You and I are not alone, and God is not done. And we've got to be confident this very thing that He's had begun a good work in you and perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. It is God which worketh in you both the will and the do of His good pleasure. Well, this will help you. This will help you and I. Verse 17, until I went to the sanctuary. You know what's so good about you being here today? It's not what's maybe necessarily being preached, but that the Word of God is opened again. And that wherever you find yourself, in whatever journey of your life you find yourself, hopefully it's being a help to you because God's Word will not return back void and is not in vain. And God is not done with you or I. And we need to take their doubts in our life and they need to be looked at as a revealer of where I need to put more trust in God. And so, it's God that's working in you both the will and to do of His good pleasure. He's the potter, we're the clay. He will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, and He'll guide thee with the eye. And this is a game changer because in the last 16 verses, Asaph is saying, I'm declaring my doubts, and he's airing his emotional laundry. And now he has a turning point where he finds what he had been missing. And where does he find it? He finds it in the sanctuary. You want to understand some things? You've got to be here. You want to find some things about God and find out about some things about God? You've got to have a walk with God. You want to, you want to find out some things about God? You've got to love what God loves. And you've got to love the church dearly. And where's the sanctuary? It's entering into His presence with thanksgiving. It's entering into His presence through His Word. It's entering into His presence by being in the house of God. That's what's so good about you being here today because in some way or another, there's something. I guarantee there's something in this message that can help you and help I because it's the Word of God. And God is not done. Then understood I therein. You want to understand some things? You've got to get some things that you'll never get anywhere else. 
but from God's Word and from God's house and the truth of God impacting. God gives us 168 hours a week. And you're here for about an hour this morning. If you're here for Sunday school, two hours, roughly. If, you, if you're here tonight, three hours. You come back Wednesday, you're four hours. And out of 168 hours, God is going to allow you, if you come to the sanctuary, to understand some things that you'll never understand anywhere else. That you won't get down the street at Wawa. You won't get a shop right. You won't get it at the, the movie theater. You won't get it at home. You won't get anywhere else. You won't get anywhere else. You won't, you won't even get all that you can get, as much as you can get out of your time with God, if you don't come to the sanctuary. So I encourage you this morning to be faithful like you, were, like you are this morning and, and, and like you can be you know, tonight and, and Wednesday night and, and continue. Because you know what's going to happen? If you don't and I don't come to the sanctuary, we're going to miss out on some things that we can understand. And I want to understand as much as I can understand about God and about His Word. And I want to understand that there's some things that, that, are, that are more long-term and something crazy happens when, when this happens. In verse 22, notice what Asaph says. He says, when I, it's almost as if when I understood their end and when I see what's taking place with their life and how slippery their, their, their destruction is going to be and how bad life is coming to them in the end, their forever, their eternity, their, their, their damage that is going to be coming to them. Surely, verse 18, thou dost set them in slippery places, thou cast them down in destruction. They are brought into desolation. In a moment, they're consumed with terrors. Notice verse 22, it says, So foolish was I and ignorant, as if I was a beast. That's foolish to think about this and to think that they had it all going on. And my doubts came as a result of envying the foolish. And you know who's foolish? Asaph says, I am the one that's foolish. You know why he says that? Because he realizes that it is a revealer of what has taken place in his doubts. And he has now come to the sanctuary, and the sanctuary of God has allowed him to understand some more things that he would have never understood if he didn't get back to the sanctuary and come back to the truth. Lastly this morning, come back to the truth. You want to deal with your doubts? Hey, when in doubt, don't go without taking it as a revealer. When in doubt, don't go without knowing that God is not done. And then lastly, when in doubt, come back to the truth. Come back to the truth. Paul says, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Verse 24, notice a tone of change in his mind, in his heart, in his life. And in what he says, he says in verse 23 and 24, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast hold me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me. With thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Isn't that wonderful? Receive me to glory. So they have destruction, and then I'm going to be received to glory, Asaph says. And he's struggling with that, and he says, you know what? It's, I was foolish. I was ignorant. I was as if almost like an animal before thee, thinking that they had more going for them than I had going for me. Actually, I have more going for me than they have going for them. And the long term is, is the worst that's coming to them. But look what I have. I have verse 24. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none on earth 
upon earth that I desire beside thee, and my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart, and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. Man, he's grieved. Verse 21, he starts to see that I'm grieved. My heart is grieved. I'm pricked in my reins because of verse 27, really. They are far from thee, and those that are far from thee, they're going to perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. Asaph, you were headed in that direction. Dear one, this morning, I don't know where you find yourself. If you have a lot of doubts in your mind, you question. You, maybe you question your salvation. Maybe you question your, your sanctification. Maybe you question whether or not it's a matter that God is, is done with you. God is not done. And He wants to use these things, whatever the doubts and however they came, go back to how they came and look at them as a revealer. Take it as a revealer. It's so good that Asaph did. If he didn't, he, you would never be reading these verses. You and I would not see the, the sweetness that comes from his walk with God. It, it went to the sanctuary. It's a good thing it did. It went to now satisfaction in Jesus. And it's a good thing he's satisfied with Jesus. But it, it was not there. It was not there. When he had doubts, he had to go back to where the doubts came from. And then he had to come to realization, I better get my feet on stable ground and that firm foundation which is not laid in that is Jesus Christ. And I better get myself back there and do whatever it takes to get myself back to God and come back to the truth because God is not done with me. And he realizes God is not done when he's talking like this. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever and ever and ever, and ever. And my goodness, it's a wonderful thing when you draw nigh to God in verse 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. It's going to be bad for you if you don't. Whether you're saved, unsaved, it's bad. Worse than anyone can describe. Matter of fact, you don't see the long-term results, and it's foolish. And you might find yourself mocking God and making fun of who God is, but you can make fun of, of who God is, but be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. And so we better come back to having a walk with God, dear saved one. We better come back to trusting in God if you've not put your trust in God because when you put your trust in the Lord, then you can, can say resoundly, as Asaph does in verse 28, that I may declare all thy works. So you start to see it's all God anyways. And you declare that it's Him that did it all. Draw in close. And what's the most wonderful thing I can share with you today this morning as I close, is if you get in close with God, it's as if He gets in close with you. And this is what happens this morning. This is what happens. Verse 
Notice verse 23. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. When you're in slippery places, you know what you want? Support. You know what you want? Somebody come alongside of you. The older you get, the more you realize how important those steps are that you're taking. I know there's stories even in this room today. And none of us have any desire to fall. None of us have any desire to to go away from God. But it takes place by the little steps. And you know what I'm so thankful that we have? We have God who comes right side of us and He holds us by the right hand. And it's a matter that He is my support and He is there for me and He's not going to fail me. And I'm held by the Father's hand and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of the Father's hand. That's the same hand that is willing to hold you and to support you and to on that slippery ground, if you find yourself in that slippery place and you're, you're trying to, to just really get some footing sure, He's going to bring that support right there and hold you and walk with you and talk with you and you can talk with Him and walk with Him. And it just doesn't get much better than that when you have somebody who you know is holding you even in your eternal life and this same one, Jesus, is willing to hold you in His hand and support you all along the way. That's better than any cane. It's better than any wheelchair. It's better than anything. My goodness, I'm so thankful that God is my support. Because i got some slippery places that that I'm trying to, to figure out. And wait a second, when in doubt, I don't need to go without God. And God doesn't go without me. And so He'll never leave me, nor forsake me, and He's there for me. But I better draw near to Him and put my trust in Him because He wants to bring that best support anybody could ever bring. There is no one in this room, even though Asaph said, hey, their strength is firm, they brag, their pride... And he realized, wait a second, all those people who prosper and are prosperous, they are nothing like my God. My God is the one who supports me, who holds me in that hand. And that's not just any hand. That is the Father's hand. And that is the right hand of God. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray this morning that we realize how great you are. I pray the thrust of today has been bringing us back to not anything but your greatness. May we take these moments as you work in our heart, I pray that you reveal things to us of where our doubts are and how our faith can be placed back in you or to you to begin with. If there be someone this morning who does not know you, I pray that they would trust you and know that God is not done. May we truly have a comeback to God. Lord, thank you for being such a great God that you hold us and that you have that right hand of support given to us. We thank you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.